great in 100 years. The ship house gift you think will be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It's Friday the 1st of July. I am Will Anderson. Uh, he is Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I fucked it up again. <laughs> what the fuck are you I, doing? I seriously cannot introduce this show. <laughs> oh I, was, I was so happy that I got the date right <laughs> that I forgot that the next bit is the name of the podcast. It's Two Guys, One Cup and AFL Podcast. I'm Will Anderson. And I'm then Charlie you say Clawson. your name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, no, I know what my part is. <laughs> I know what yeah. my part is. <laughs> I fucked two things up then. I got the date right, but then in my head I was like, should I mention I'm in America? And while I was doing that, I'd already skipped the middle bit and also introduced you. So yeah. you got to rush You got to rush of blood. That's a, that's the equivalent of, of you running Mate. into an open goal and hitting the post. I, I've got white line fever. I just fucking <laughs> step across this podcast line. I hear Mike Howell do that countdown. I hear that, you know, sign will go. I hear like a bit of ACDC start. Does it play? And I yeah. just go fucking, I just go fucking crazy. I start like hit, hitting guys. I'm running through guys in the center. I'm just fucking yeah. starting shit. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Mike Howell, uh, in the one week since he's notified us that he's picked Hawthorne as his team, oh, yeah. Hawks are on top of the ladder. Like, yeah. uh, how's that for a fucking start to your oh, AFL supporting career? What I loved the most was, too, there was some stat in the paper how about they haven't been on... T- it's the first time they've been on top of the ladder for 600 days or something like that. And I'm like, mm. ah, get fucked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like that stat that keeps coming up about, you know, uh, they're 14th or whatever in contested ball. Yeah, mm. but they're also on top of the ladder in the ladder. Yeah. And they haven't even played that well. I saw an article in the paper today where Gwyneth Paltrow was sort of saying, like, I, I don't understand why, why everyone hates me. And, you know, she talks uh-huh. about she has that blog <laughs> she does, which is all about health. And, you know, goop. she sort of, she, she, you know, yeah, goop. And she does all these kind of things. And she and appears, She said, like, I just, I just do movie and stuff. I don't know why right. people hate me. And it's like, this is a reason we hate you. <laughs> it's because, oh, I just do movies and stuff. And I've got this fucking blog that makes a million dollars. And blah, 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 blah. This is why we hate you. It's the same reason why we hate Hawthorne. It's like, oh, we're on top of the ladder. I mean, I don't know. Is that why? Why do people have a problem with that? It's because it's you. You trip over success the way my club embraces failure. Right. Yeah, I, I reckon backstage, Chris Martin and the boys are singing, "We're a happy team at Coldplay." <laughs> I mean, they are. You're right. They're the Gwyneth Paltrow. They're just nothing yeah. but successful. They've never had anything go bad in their entire life. And there's no reason, there's no legitimate reason to dislike them. If anything, you should admire their achievements. Admire them. Admire them. But for some reason, it's just like, oh, I mean, I, I, I wonder if there will be a time, like if they get this four-peat, what is the, is there a, is there a name for a four-peat or is it four-peat? Four-peat? Four, yeah, okay, the four-peat. Four will thorn. that, how, will that, will you, will that make them the new Collingwood? Like, are they too powerful then? Will the, the backlash start? I mean, there is a kind of backlash, but it's not of the Collingwood, even Carlton proportions, really. Do you reckon that a four-peat would suddenly, that everything's going to change, a backlash would begin? Well, I guess it always comes down in the end, I think, to your supporters. And the thing that we know about Hawthorne supporters is they're quite proud of their arrogance. Oh, man, they love it. You know, like, I, I, they're, they're like... You remember Rick the Model Martel in the WWF? (laughs) 
And his whole gimmick was that he was so good looking. Right. Yeah. He even had a brand of perfume called Arrogance. Right. <laughs> That's Hawthorne supporters. Rick Martell's. Yeah. yeah. Or Mr. Awesome's. They're like... Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Like... Wonderful. No, oh, Mr. Wonderful. Paul, Paul yeah, Mr. Right. One... Was it Mr. Wonderful right. Paul Orndorff? That's him. That's who they are. Like, because they're just like, we're great. And we're all like, yeah, well, you are pretty great. But... Well, I mean, you've been talking about this for a long time and we've all, we've just kind of jumped in. But mm. like I now am starting to get that thing that you've been talking about, which is my, I think like the Bulldogs are a really great football team to follow. But this is probably not going to be our year. We'd have to have a lot of things really kind of turn around and come together for this to be our year, right? And you look at GWS and you think, are Hawthorne just going to pass it to GWS and then GWS are going to be Hawthorne? Because if I that happens, so. that is fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I was looking at, uh, I was looking at that this week, actually. You know, it's, it, our sides are coming up in what potentially could be the most dominant era. Right. Uh, for our club. I mean, they, their midfield, uh, did you see? I uh, know oh, you wouldn't have, but the, on on the couch, uh, David King did like comparing the greatest midfields of all time of the last fifteen years, and it was like Brisbane of the early two thousands, um, Geelong, uh, West Coast in that two thousand and five two thousand and six period, yeah. and then GWS. The main difference being that GWS's midfield are all like 23, 23, 24 years old. So there's like a, a good eight or nine years of, of good football in those guys if they can hold them together. I'll tell you what, that West Coast midfield, though, because, I mean, obviously they've been talking about it a lot because of the uh, reunion and everything. But um, when you think about that, you had Dean Cox in the ruck, who was at the kind of time revolutionising and showing, you know, this kind of ruckman that everybody has now. This was like what Dean Cox was like doing a fair bit of. You had I, ben- Would you say, Will, he's the prototype modern ruckman? Well, he is. I guess he is, right? Yeah, just and- a big midfielder, essentially. Right, yeah, it was just damaging right around the field. And yeah. then you had Ben Cousins, you had Chris Judd, and Daniel you had Kerr. Da- Daniel Kerr. Like, that was your midfield. That's like, I mean, that that's a pretty amazing midfield. Although yeah, I guess I'd- if you talk, talk about the Brisbane Lions, you've got, what do you got there? You've got Voss, Lappin, Black, and Ackermanis. Yeah. So that's three. Well, Acker Mill has this right in the when he brought up the the midfield comparisons. Acker didn't even fucking write a mention in the Brisbane midfield. There was too many stars for Acker to even get in there, for the Brownlow medalists to get in. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane, right? Because I think Simon Black wasn't he just named like Player of the Decade or something like that? That another one of those weird AFL awards that Simon Black because you know uh, Brownlow medalist, triple uh, premiership player, all Australians. It's like yeah, you forget that Simon. Black was like this an amazing footballer because he was in a team of amazing footballers. I mean, it really is amazing when you th- think about that thing of like having three Brownlow medalists just running around in your midfield. Three. Just yeah. three different ones. Yeah. I, I guess the comparisons to Brisbane and GWS are quite similar in the sense that, you know, Brisbane were topped up with players from Fitzroy. So they basically took the best of the best. Yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, and the thing about GWS too is that they seem to have the right mindset too, the way the club's been run, the attitude of the players. Like, yeah, you don't, they haven't heard too much about players getting caught on nights out or, you know, uh, footy trips or anything bad. I mean, they seem to be a bunch of professionals. 
you know, they want to win. They're hungry for success. They're all kind of, you know, the leadership group must be like the biggest in, in the AFL because they're all, you know, come from you know, junior competitions where they were captains of their teams. It's just, it's, it's, it's scary. The, like I said, the one thing I'm holding on to is that, well, they can't all get a game. So the only thing I'm holding to is that we'll be able to poach, you know, some dude in the kneeful who's kicking 12 goals a game, you know, but can't get, can't get a look in. That's the only thing that, that stops me from having a complete fucking freak out. Well, the th- like the thing that makes me have a freak out is they're playing so well. And like they really like Cameron and Patton are giving them nothing. Like mm-hmm. if those two start to fire. The fuck is going to happen? They're talking about playing Jonathan Patton in the back line, <laughs> right? Because it's like, well, the forward line's fine. Why don't shore up our defence? We'll just send our number one draft pick forward down to the back line. They can, they have the luxury of doing that. Oh, we're out of Vegemite. Don't worry. Use this caviar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is like getting yourself a moleskin newspaper and then using it to wipe your ass. They have so much. Mm. Like luxury, you know, to spare. Yeah, I, they- I can just. I am now very much in your corner of going. Well, if, like, if you if you don't get your window in the next couple of years, I could really see like them dominating for. I mean, if they can hold it all together, which they look like they're gonna. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I I can't begrudge them. I like them. I, I like watching them play. I, like I said, I think they get run really well. You know. You know the the players they put up in front of their cameras speak really well, and they've also they're not boring either. They've got like Stevie J and Green, and you know like did you see the highlights of Stevie J this week watching himself on the replay? Like there was a couple he he had a couple of attempts at, at goal that were just classic Stevie J, you know, off the ground and you know impossible way of even going for it. But then finally one of them came off, and I can't remember who his opponent was for the Blues, but. He literally turned to him and pointed to the screen to say, watch this goal I just kicked on you. It's awesome. I mean, he's having the best year of his life. Like, he's having like a – he's just doing an encore. But, yeah. he, you know, they're, they're re- renegotiating his contract. Did you say that? No. So he had a contract where he was going to play this year and then he was going to coach next year, but they're renegotiating so that he'll play next year. Yeah, he should definitely do that. I mean, they love him too. You can see those young forwards around. Why wouldn't you? Like, I think the only danger for the GWS is that you'd have some of your players spending more time watching Stevie J than actually playing alongside him because he's just fucking fantastic, you know? He's come, when you think about, like, how he started his career, I know we've talked about Stevie J a lot on this show, but it, 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 it does, you know, I think it, it's, it's okay to remind ourselves that he was once suspended for like right. eight weeks for drinking sunscreen. Sunscreen. <laughs> like going on a fucking rampage to Geelong, stealing, stealing sunscreen off someone's front porch and drinking it. Drinking like that's it. how he started his career. Like, I mean, Maybe it's that's just... a secret. Maybe oh, that's what they should all be doing. Imagine if that comes out, James Hurd style, <laughs> that they've been taken off, off site. Oh, wait, like, this is why GWS is so good. They're going off site in Blacktown or somewhere. <laughs> to some place where they're all sculling sunscreen <laughs> sunscreen slip slop slap it's the new GW success program it makes sense mate undetectable I mean even if you shined a UV light on their guts <laughs> it's not going to have any effect hey, okay to answer, answer me this as a hypothetical question if sure. for if for example 
Stevie J was like, hey guys, I didn't really want to say anything, but I'm about to retire, so I'm going to share the secret so you can win a premiership. I, since that day, I found that sunscreen gave me like that really sustenance. great recovery and really great sustenance. And since that day, I've been drinking a small <laughs> amount of the sunscreen every week, and that's the secret to my success. And it's not illegal. You know, it's like there's no, there's nothing in it that technically that you know, is against the rules or outside. You can't test positive. Like, it's not outside the rules to do it. I've just never told anyone that I could do it. Like, is that ethical to do it? Are you able to just drink some sunscreen before the game every week and get an advantage as long as it's inside the rules? Are you fine with that? Would you I be fine so. if you found out the Saints had a sunscreen program? Yeah, I think so. I mean, is it any different to, like, uh, you know, um, uh, like, you know... Uh, a, a player, a, a player, who's an Italian player? Um, geez, I can't think of one. Uh, it's Scott Campriali. Okay, Scott Campriali. Well, he doesn't play anymore, does he? There must be an Italian player in the league. <laughs> Sorry, it was, the, it was like the first Italian player that I, yeah. <laughs> that I thought of. Sorry. Uh, Tony Liberatore. Uh, sorry, Tom Liberatore. Tom Liberatore. So Tom Liberatore's, um, he goes Italian? around to win. Yeah. In my racist understanding of stereotypes, Libertore. Um, oh, yeah. No, that takes So let's out. say Tom Libertore's <laughs> nana, his nonna, um, he yeah. goes around to a place on a Friday night for a meal before a game on a Saturday, and she makes him her special meatballs. <laughs> this is getting worse. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is if she made some like her home recipe meatballs or whatever and uh-huh. that and he found that that gave him that extra kick he needed to play well on right. the Saturday and it was all within the rules then you wouldn't say don't eat your nonna's meatballs Tom Okay but what if he realized it was a secret of success so much that he got the club to bring in like nonna to make like individual like meatballs for everyone at the club, That's, and they had to I, have the meatballs. Fine. That's fine. Tom Libertore was is Australian. Thanks. No, yeah. know that. <laughs> no, Mike yeah. But what's his heritage? <laughs> like what's like what's? I mean, he, yes, he he was born in Australia. He's We're aware of him being born in We're Australia, aware. but. God. Let's go back a little. Let's scratch. Is that because Mike Hal, like, he just did a, a scan, is like, well, all Australians are yeah. so racist. racist. They wouldn't even realise this guy was born in Australia. Well, You're he wasn't bloody that. born in Australia with a name like Liberatore, mate. <laughs> mate, in Australia, that's a Liberator. Yeah, why doesn't he have a, like, a real Aussie name like Clausen? Um, I, I, okay, here we go. There's some typing going. Tom Liberatore was born in Australia to Italian parents. There you yeah, go. There you go. So his nonna would have been making the meatballs on a Friday. Yeah, night exactly. Yeah, that's a good meatball. <laughs> I, I think that's still racist. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but is, it, is there a difference if you have like an institutionalized nonna program down at the club I, where everyone's eating the meatballs or is that still fun? I don't think so. Like, I'm sure, you know, like in, in the in the sort of 60s and 70s, you know, back in the days when they had like, you know, beers after the game and stuff, there would have been some kind of like Thursday night steak and broccoli night or some weird, you know, uh, homespun wisdom about what you should eat before a game. That I think it's, as long as it's not um, outside the rules, I think it's fine. You do whatever it is. Why do you, do you what's your opinion on that? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I was just asking you. It was inter- I, I was sa- reading something about this NFL player who uh, gets all these 
teammate, or is he, or is a baseball player? I can't quite remember. I was like half reading something and, uh, essentially every, after every game, he gets all his teammates to piss in this like bucket and then he soaks his ankles in like the piss bucket, right? And he's never had an ankle injury in his entire career. <laughs> <laughs> He's, been, he's, he's never had a friend either, but he's never had an ankle injury. Right? Because he's been like piss soaking himself after the, after the game. But they're kind of going, and so I guess my question is, like this guy's never had an ankle injury and he does this. Would that convince you? Well, you know what? I don't want an ankle injury. Like what's the harm in like getting everyone to piss into a bucket and then like soaking my ankles in it after everything? Well, well, I think it's the, the argument is the difference between causation and correlation, I believe. Uh, I think what you have there is a, is a case of correlation. Oh, uh, do we? Uh, no, causation. Uh, cor- yeah. Correlation. Causation. Causation. It's not clausation. That's a different thing entirely. <laughs> Clausation's when you miss a goal from directly in front, 15 metres out, because you attempt to torp. Uh, also say, known um, as a Casbolt effect. Michael, Mike Hal is telling us that uh, the person I'm referring to, he's done very well to even track this story down with a little bit of information that I had about this story. Let's see how close I was. It was Chad Johnson, yeah. the guy that changed his name to Oko Cinco. Oh, okay, okay right, okay. Which I think is meant to be 85, but is actually 85, not 85. My grandma, sister, your grandma, Oko Cinco and <laughs> uh, So tell me who, what Chad Johnson does, though, Michael. Is he a baseball player or is he an NFL footballer? NFL, there you go. Yeah, right, NFL, yeah. And Chad Johnson is a cousin of Brad Johnson, I believe, uh, Bulldogs oh. legend. That's who what, never what, had his ankles pissed on. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, he would just get people to piss straight onto the ankle. He wouldn't soak it in. He thought that was weird. But <laughs> yeah, everyone would bu- get... Being in the Bulldogs, would... you just walk up and raise a leg, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. You just like, They called it marking your territory. <laughs> it's what they introduced you to very early on down at the kennel. That's why the Bulldogs are the only club, people don't know this, who are actually allowed to wee on the field. <laughs> it's fine. Up oh, against that's... the goalpost. Gee, speaking of the Bulldogs, bloody hell. Uh, trouble down at trouble trouble down at the kennel. Do you know uh have you got any inside word for us? Uh no, I have no inside word. So we we're talking about the uh Tom Boyd. The yeah. Go on. <laughs> I'm, 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 look, look, I'll let you speak. It's your team. I don't want to I don't want to put words in your mouth. So you, you put your words in your mouth and then I will say okay. what I have to say. Well, if if somebody didn't go with the headline million dollar boydy, yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> then they're not doing their job properly. Uh so Tom Boyd uh was uh after a VFL game as far as I know, uh, uh the story that I've heard is after a VFL game, uh he was having a drink, having a beer with, with his um, best mate, with his best mate, uh one of the Cordy boys, not Ace Cordy, the other Cordy. Zane Cordy, or Zane, Zane Cordy. Zane, Zane, Zane. They've all got fucking boy band names. <laughs> yeah, L- Liam, all in one direction. I think it was Liam and Niall Cordy and <laughs> Tom Boyd were having a drink together. Michael, can you just confirm who Tom Boyd was drinking with this week when but, he got to that fight? But I think you're right. I think it was Zane Cordy. And uh, they were having a drink together and um, he was being... Zane Cordy, t- yeah. He was being teased is the what? word that's come out. That oh. Tom, Tom Boyd was being teased about perhaps his, you know, the fact that he hadn't um, been value for money. Yeah. Right? Now, here's the thing about Tom Boyd that I would say is he's been struggling all season with like a 
a shoulder injury and he has to get a shoulder reconstruction either this season or if he can get through enough of this season over the off season. But either way, he's got to get a shoulder reconstruction. In the games he played early in the season when he was like playing in the ruck and floating forward, I saw him play a couple of games where I was like, oh, I could definitely see him like playing this role for us. And I think if he got a bit of continuity and whatever... I mean, obviously, he's got, like, a really massive price tag on him, and he's always going to get... Like, he's kind of our Jack Watts in that yeah. regard. He's going to get massive scrutiny. But, like, well, it's I was one of those say... things where I'm... The only thing I was going to say is, I'm starting to fear that there is no Tom Boyd, and that he's, like, a Fight Club-esque hallucination <laughs> that our club has, that we, like, constantly talk about this guy, Tom Boyd, and now he's literally picking fights with our players. Yeah. I think... Uh... You've got to look past just the, 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 the $6 million contract. Like you've pointed it out on this show before. When the Bulldogs did that, it was more than just getting a marquee player. It was about making a statement that you guys weren't going to be pushed around and you weren't going to be, you weren't just going to lose your captain and your best right. player and just fucking take it lying down. You were going to play hardball. And sure, that may mean like giving an unproven kid a long-term contract for a lot of money. But things change in football. There's like shifting sands. Like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not as foolish in the grand scheme of things when you consider what they had to do for the club. And it did give your supporters. This is before you guys, you know, started playing finals and had Bevo and, you know, proving yourself on the field. You had to do something. It was as misguided or, not so, that's not the right word. It's the same rationale behind that as drafting like a Carmichael Hunt or an Israel Folau in order to drum up interest. Like people talk about that being a failure. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That had the AFL on the front page of, you know, the bulletin, uh, the, what's the Gold Coast newspaper? You know, the, whatever that rag's called. <laughs> the, the Gold Coast Bulletin. But I the mean, Gold Coast Bulletin. Western, Western Sydney's the better example because, like, you know, Israel Folau, for whatever. Like you thought of sh- sending up Sheedy and Israel Folau. That's what they needed at the start. They needed yeah. a bit of show business. They needed to be in the papers. They needed a bit of PT Barnum and like, you know, that sort of stuff. But what they've managed to do so successfully, like, and why GWS should be admired so much is they went mm. really hard with that early on. And then they transitioned into this really professional kind of slick. And, but, but that's a good example. I mean, you look at Tom Scully, a guy who yeah, at, at one stage, who was a kid like Tom Boyd, who was being paid more than fucking Gary Ablett, the best player in the game, because that was the circumstance, who's now renegotiated his contract and gone back to $500,000 a year, when Mm. Tom Scully is now a player who could probably walk into most other clubs in the league at like seven hundred fifty or $800,000. He's that quality of player now. So I think that if a club is good to you and you're good to the club, like big guys, we all know what they're like. Let's wait until he can be fit and he can actually play a bit of football before we start, like, writing big obituaries. And this thing, like, apparently him and Zane went away together last weekend. You know, they're, they're yeah. mates. They had, like, a bit of a dust-up. And, and they're only, like, tw- and they're 21, right? 21, 22. <laughs> I didn't mind. Like this, I d- to be this honest. Is the sun, this, this is the sunscreen drinking years, you know right. what I mean? Like, I think it's more of a problem... When it's fucking, you know, like Campbell Brown as a 28-year-old in the leadership group punching out teammates in LA. Like, that's when it's, you know, more of a concern. Not to justify it, but, you know, it's more understandable at this age. And he's, and, and, and really, his contract should have nothing to do with it. 
And from what I've heard about it too, like it wasn't like he landed a good punch on him or anything. It feels more like a a bit of a scuffle and a misguided. I mean, much like a lot of what Tom Boyd's doing at the moment. Like he, he was intending one thing, but his body's not quite coordinated enough to do exactly what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is too, like I'm always surprised, you know, when the heat comes on like a Jack Watts or a, a Tom Scully or uh, a, a Tom Boyd, when it's, you know, the, the money talk, like uh, Travis Cloak signed a big contract three years ago. Right. Hasn't really delivered on that. You know, uh, St. Kilda uh, signed Aaron Hamill to one of the first ever five-year contracts and he never really, you know, fulfilled that. So it's kind of strange that you would put more pressure on these kids than you would on, like, established players, you know, who actually uh, have been in the system and, 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 and should deliver more. Like, they've been given their time. Um, it's not his fault that a, a club dropped a sh- you know, crazy amount of money on him. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I, and I hope as supporters of the Bulldogs, we don't do what Melbourne supporters did to Jack Watts. I hope that we, like, because he hasn't done anything wrong yet. He's been trying, as far as I can see. Like, he's had a bit of a bad run with injuries, and he's, like, and he's a big guy. But I can see how he could play a really great role for us. And he may never be our best player, but we fucking drafted Marcus Bontempelli at five, and he's going to be one of the all-time greats. Like, mm. you know what? All that top 20 or 30 or whatever, it's a fucking lottery. You have a guess, your best guess, and then you see what happens after that. But, like, don't, like, you know, judge him on his actions and judge him on when he gets a crack at fucking playing some football and stuff. But it didn't really bother me, i got to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, he, is he a guy, I don't really know, do they get him in front of the camera as much? Like, is he a guy that they're not just relying on for, on field, but are they expecting he's going to be like a leader and in the media and all that kind of stuff? I mean, he has good credentials in that regard. Like, um, he's done a little bit of media. They've protected him a little bit as well. Like, I, I mean, it's been a bit hit and miss on that. Like, he hasn't been everywhere. But we've got a good spread of people who are happy to do media too. So it hasn't been, like, reliant on him to be out there as the face of the club, you know, like... They protected Bontempelli for a couple of years. They wouldn't let him to talk to anybody, but now he loves talking to people. So and he then came he got... to talk to us, remember, in the rooms. Right. But then we've also got Bob Murphy. So this year, who's been a yeah. professional, you know, floating, just like you know, can talk to people when we need someone to talk to people. And then they've you... had a different captain every week for the last four or five weeks. So like each of them got to talk to people. They're, they've been sharing talking to people around. What did uh, there's a they're great playing a great promo on Fox Footy at the moment in the lead up to the Swans Bulldogs game, uh, you know because you had that amazing win up there last year in the wet, and Bob Murphy's quote is, "It's his, the greatest thing, uh, is, it's his greatest memory in the history of anything or something like that." It's just greatest thing in the, the greatest thing that's ever happened, the greatest thing in history, or his greatest memory of something in his. It's it's brilliant. It's just like fantastic. Bob Murphy is normally so great with words, just sounding like a a twelve year old who's just seen fucking Transformers. <laughs> well, that was like what round five or round six last year. We haven't played them since then. Um, that was the game that announced you guys, I think. Well, that was the game that gave us some hope. I remember that going. Oh. Oh, this might be, you know, turning around a little quicker than I thought it might have. So, yeah, I agree with that. It will be interesting to see. We're, I think we're still, I mean, oh, so Jason Johannesson. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, is back this week, I believe, or sh- or might be back this In week. The Eastern, Wood, Eastern Wood is back this week. Yeah. Um, 
But the one that we're missing is Delhouse. Like, Delhouse is such an important player for us, and he's still out for another month. So, I mean, it's going to be tough for us to beat Sydney, I would have thought. But if we did, I, that'd be very exciting. But I, I would suggest this is our hard bit of the season at the moment. Like, I think might, maybe we'll lose to Sydney and, like, we'll be sitting in eighth. But, we've you know, we've got a reasonable run home. So, but I'd love us to beat them. We, we normally actually don't play too badly against... Even when we're going badly, we normally uh, play okay against Sydney. They're just one of those teams that we... We tend to play okay against. It's going to be a cracker. I actually um, I uh, emailed you at the start of the week because uh, I've got tickets. It's Channel Seven are uh, busting out the uh, the corporate box this weekend, and they know I'm an AFL fan, so they asked for one. And I was like, oh, I know just the guy who might like to come to this game. But uh, I'm going to be taking Vaughn Kerr. He's very excited. Um, as as I've mentioned on this podcast, he's disillusioned with the Blues. The Mick Malthouse era has uh, has broken the camel's back. He's now Something of a, 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 a an AFL um, nomad. You know, he is attached to the Blues in a way, but he's disillusioned. Uh, so he's quite excited about, about seeing this game. I think he's leaning towards the Swans, actually. He, the, you know, the, the, the Blues might lose him to the Swans, which is weird in a year when the Blues have done so well. I mean, that'd be the second one in my life that I've known who's gone from the Blues to the Swans. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Spence, for you know? <laughs> I mean, I won't out anybody, but, but I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I reckon, I mean, the, the Blues must have shed quite a few fans in this last decade, Man. right? There's been legitimate reasons you could... Because I'm a person who kind of believes that after the age of, say, 10 or whatever, that you shouldn't be able to change 40 teams. Like, I... <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Where'd that rule come from? No, I'm, I'm just saying, it's not a real rule. I'm just saying, I, I have that rule of, like, I don't mind if you're a kid, maybe you're born into, like, a, a family that barracks for one thing, but you go to school and you choose your own team. I don't have any problem with that change. That's you having self-determination as a child and it should be encouraged and it should be rewarded. But then I do have a bit of a feeling that for good or for ill, you fucking got to dance with the one that you, you brung. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and other, you know, Alf Stewart writes all my stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. Right, yeah. Flame and neck. Flame, flame and neck. You just got to fucking stick with your team. No. I mean, I do kind of feel, but then I feel there is exceptions to that. I feel that if your team is involved in a scandal of some kind that is against your morals, then that's an exception. So you can sort of go, oh, I disapproved of what Carlton did with the salary cap or whatever. I, I mm. can't barrack for them anymore. I'm going to choose a new team. I have no problem with that. But otherwise, I don't think you can just go, I'm sick of my team. I can, I'm going to choose a new team. So you don't think Vaughan has a, a justifiable cause? to be disillusioned after nah. 10 years of mismanagement? No, nah, he could have got off during... He was happy to stick with them during the fucking winning premierships by cheating the salary cap. So <laughs> yeah, he can't good jump... Point. You know what I mean? Like, where's your fucking morals then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what it is, though. I mean, I think that's probably what predominantly has happened to Blues supporters. And uh, if there's anyone, any Blues supporters who listen to this podcast, maybe hit us up on Twitter and let us know. If you... Is it the fact that you went through that period of sustained success and, 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 and flags being delivered that when the veil was taken away and you had to do it just like everyone else, that you're like, fuck this shit. This is way too hard. Yeah. Like it better when we were like getting the best players in, paying them under the table. Do you know what uh, Carlton are? What? White, Carlton are white men. Like Carlton basically 
have, have had privilege that whole time. They were winning every year, but it was because they were fucking gaming the system, like yeah. white men have been forever. And now in this age where people are like, you know, diversity, concentrating on diversity and stuff, white men are like, hang on, this is fucking, hey, this is heaps harder. <laughs> Colton are white men. That's what they are. <laughs> the white men who can't handle diversity. That's yeah. what Colton are. They're not the navy blues, they're the lily whites. Yeah. So, um, I, I think there are times you can jump off your team, but I, I don't think it can just be because your team is performing badly. No, I think you got to stick with them through those times. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we know. I mean, you know it exactly. Yeah, I was going to say we know it better than anyone. I actually wear it as a badge of pride. Right. No, I, 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 I feel not that I hold anything against Mike Hal. Uh, you know, if I was new to a sport and I was watching, I would say, yeah, that team plays really well. I, I want to go about it, but. It's more... I mean, it's amazing that he didn't show the same, like, kind of, you know, discernment when he was choosing podcasts to work with. <laughs> like, I mean, he didn't really jump in with the Hawthorne podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> maybe nah, that's, the maybe that's why he chose... If that's Maybe that's why he chose Hawthorne. He's like, i got to balance this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're the Essendon podcast, riddled with drugs, underperforming. Top-up players every second week. <laughs> Um, so there was a game last night cause, uh, uh, this was meant to, this episode was meant to go up yesterday, but I had to uh, ask Will and Mike Hal to, to give me 24 hours grace, forgetting that there was a Thursday night match. And I got really annoyed when I realized, but then I was like, ah, oh, it's fine. <laughs> it was an Essendon game. <laughs> no one really cares. I mean, it's might as well be part of the buy. They should have given them a, like that. Maybe that. Okay. Here's a question for you. Let me mm. ask you this about, um, how do you feel about the bye weekends? Like, how do you do? You like six six six? Do you like what they're doing at the moment? Do you? Would you prefer if it was six, just six, one six, round? The number of the bye. <laughs> well, that's what they're doing at the moment, right? You yeah, do six games, yeah. six games, six games. I, uh, so, I've, been su- I've been surprised by the amount of bitching and moaning. To be honest, like I honestly have not noticed. I mean, there are there's eighteen teams, right? So it's you're still getting like plenty of footy on a weekend, but. Geez, the fucking grumbling and the bitching, the moaning from the media about oh, you know, it's, it doesn't have the same excitement, and you know, they just you get a one weekend where it's you know three shit games, and it's like fucking. There's a lot of complaining around this amazing sport that we have that must be incredibly hard to coordinate and run with players who have to fucking play probably much longer than they should. I mean, if anything. <clears throat> I actually feel for the players. I, I can't believe anyone would suggest you get rid of it when they think about how many games they have to play this year. And the, and the way the game's going, like the demands on their bodies, like holy shit. I think if anything, reduce the number of games. If you're, not, if you're going to do it that way with a buy, then you have to reduce the number of games because it's just, it's just not fair on the players. Uh, I am such a proponent of the fact that they should all just play themselves once. Like, uh, is it play each other once? Because, like, uh, yeah, otherwise you just have such a bastardized fixture anyway, like, mm. you know, with who you play the second time. And then if you wanted an extra round after that, like, then I would put in a round where um, you have all those, like, you, you, maybe you have the derby every year, twice. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, so you have, like, a round where it's kind of, like, the special games round. And yeah. that's an ex- that's an exception to it, but we all get why it's happening, and it's part of the you know the the AFL. And then I would add an extra week to the finals, which is still going to mean you're going to still miss a few games, and that's the big thing. The broadcast rights, you know, you can't like they've already sold all these games. But I think if you extended the finals a little, or the other one is this like 
what do you think of this idea that keeps coming up about the the so you play seventeen games and then mm. you split the eighteen into three sixes? Have you heard this? Theory? So seconds. What was that <clears throat> one? So basically, the, this. I've had three is, hours sleep, so if, if it takes a little long for me to to catch up, just give me a second. Go on. Okay, so the idea is they we play seventeen games. Everyone plays yep. each other once, yep. right? And then at that point, the ladder is split into three sixes. The top okay. six, uh, then seven through whatever that is, 12. 12. And then, yeah, okay, so the rest. Yeah. <clears throat> and what happens is at that point is the top six all play each other, right? And that is for positions in the top six, but yeah. they're, all, they're all in the finals, essentially, yeah. right? And then the, the next six play each other for those final two spots yeah, in the like finals, it. Right. And then the bottom six play each other for some sort of draft choices or some sort of whatever. But at least all the teams are more evenly matched and they're, pl- they're all playing for something. For so something. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a great idea. No, I like it. I like it a lot. Is that, is that, was that on the table at Gill's dinner this week? Ah, oh, so this was the coach's dinner, right? <laughs> yes. It was amazing. Now I haven't seen much footage of it, but oh, I, I love it. It's, fan- I it's lo- fantastic. Like it, it's actually amazing. It's like uh, uh, all the coaches rock. None of the interstate coaches came. Right. So it's were they even, invited, it's a, or they just didn't yeah. come? Yeah. No, no, they're invited, but obviously travel and and you know midweek it's too hard. So it was just um, everyone's going around to Gill's place in in Pran, I believe uh, Gill's got a nice little home. Hang on, just a second though. Uh, maybe you're not Western Australia, but if you're like an Adelaide coach or like a Sydney coach, and Gill, like the head of the AFL, invites you to dinner. Like, you're not telling me you wouldn't just catch a flight down? You could leave, get the last flight home that night. Like, I mean... It's too much to we- do, mate. Too much to do. It's like travel time. Like, get to the airport, you get on a plane. It's a couple of hours each way. That's, that's you, fucking... You can fun. do all that. You can do all that planning and stuff on your computer on the way there. Plus, you're having dinner with Gil. I'd, I'd no. go. If it was... If it, I, I, it was... It's just, it was an informal discussion about where the game's going and Gil wanted to kind of just flag with the coaches some stuff they're thinking of implementing in the, in the, in the upcoming years. So I don't think it was essential for them to be there. Well, he um, should, he should go state to state and do a dinner in each state. Well, uh, yeah, he could probably do that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big deal. He could just take like, you know, like he could take, you know, the Brisbane. Like he could take Justin Lepich, and he could take Rodney A. to Nando's or something. Like it doesn't have to be a big deal. But yeah. like, don't you think it's guess, weird that the interstate coaches don't get a say? Well, I, I guess so. I mean, what I thought was weird was um, they filmed a lot of the coaches arriving, and uh, you know they were sort of saying it's an informal chat, it's dinner and a drink, and you know discuss yeah. the game, and. Uh, it was funny to see how some of the coaches had dressed. Like some had dressed up quite right, a bit. Tell me. Like, so, uh, you know, like Chris Scott turned up in a sports blazer with a button-up shirt, looking very private school. Actually, you know, it could have been Brad. <laughs> I don't know. One of the Scots turned up. Did um, anyone Did anyone bring wine? Yes! Yeah. One of the Scott Who? brothers rocked up with a oh, bottle of wine. Okay. Uh, Brendan Bolton didn't come. He, uh, he, he was too busy, apparently. Um, but Damien Hardwick and Alistair Clarkson came together, which was adorable. Um, but the best was fucking Rougey rocks up in his tracksuit top. But not even like a Melbourne tracksuit top. Like it looked like an old Cooter Lines, like sky blue hoodie that he just dragged out of the cupboard. He looked like he'd literally just got off the couch. He'd been sitting there and he's like, "Oh fuck, Gill's thing," and just got off the couch, slipped off his UGG boots, put on his shoes, and gone out the door. It was hilarious. 
I mean, I really feel like Paul Ruse is coaching like Melbourne, like he, he has a fantasy football team. <laughs> to me, I don't feel like he's doing a lot of the real hands-on stuff. I really feel like he's he's halfway to retirement already, but he's doing a good job. But uh, Brendan Bolton couldn't make it. Brendan I Bolton mean, that's, couldn't make it. That's a power move. Like you think? Well, I mean. Like Brendan Bolton, you should, yeah. what, what did Brendan Bolton have on his schedule that he couldn't clear to have dinner with the most powerful coaches in the AFL? Goal kicking practice with Levi Casbolt. Oh, I mean, <laughs> teaching I, uh, <laughs> teaching Neil Armfield how to comb his little moustache. No, we're not Neil Armfield. What's his name? Fucking, <laughs> that's the director, <laughs> Dennis Armfield. <laughs> you know the guy talking Neil, about? Yeah, Neil Armfield. Uh, Neil Armfield. Neil Dennis Armfield. Dennis Armfield. Yeah, with the little yeah. moustache. Yeah, Jason Johannesson. <laughs> but um, your mate, Bevo. Yeah, now, Bevo. He, what, was Be- what was Bevo wearing? Well, he was wearing, uh, uh, he was wearing, it looked like a polo shirt underneath yeah, has, a, yeah. very, a, very natty, a very natty sweater, I might say. A sweater? Yeah, you know like what? a jade green sweater. He looked very stylish, but he okay. looked angry. He looked angry. I don't know if he was looked angry because he didn't like being filmed as he walked up to the front gate, but he had a very serious look on his face. He's still a solid dude, isn't he? Like, he's just a little well, nugget of muscle. That's what I was going to say. He can only wear certain things because normal clothes don't fit him. <laughs> like, he doesn't have a normal shaped body. So, like, sweaters and, like, polo tops is very much, like, his world. Like, essentially, anything that would be a Captain America outfit is what he can wear. Because he really mm. has one of those bodies that you're like, well... you. Clothes are not made for you, nah. but also he loves a bit of like a bit of a fa- weird fashion choice. Like, did yeah. you see that like kind of beret beanie thing that he was sporting at the footy one night? No. Uh Mike Halley, if you could look up like Bevo's beret or Bevo's beanie, like I don't know if we'll, that'll be easy enough to find. But if there is a picture of uh, him Luke in the, Beveridge's beanie, Luke Beveridge's beanie at the footy earlier in the year, it's 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 something you really have to go. You know what? It's one of those things where you'd be, you'd, if he wasn't a guy who looked like Luke Beveridge, you'd tell him that that probably didn't suit him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a testament to how imposing he is that he can wear that beanie. That's what I would like. That, that's what I would say. Um, uh, the other great bit of news this week is that uh, since you brought to my attention um, the players and uh, their chomp gag with Tony Jones. Oh, Chompers. Chomper gag. Chompers. It's, yeah. uh, it's gone up a level with David, David Armitage this week. Did you see that one? <laughs> no, tell me what happened. So, you know, the players have all been signing off their interviews with thank, thanks, Chompers. Thanks, and Chompers. Then, um, to, to Tony Jones, who got his teeth done. Yeah, and, he got his uh, teeth done. And he yeah. hates it. And hates it. He hates it. And so I went back through because I think Triple M have been cataloging a few of them and you can go yeah. to their website and check out all the players. Nick Del Santo did a great one where he signed off. Thanks, Chompers. <laughs> like, like mimed a bite at the end of the interview. But uh, Dan Hanabry was on last week and Dan Hanabry didn't sign off Chompers. And so the speculation was, okay, well, maybe the joke's done and dusted. Then David Armitage gets on this week and signs off. Thanks, Uncle Chomp Chomp. <laughs> Uncle Chomp Chomp. Uh, I mean, that's taking it to a new level. <laughs> It was brilliant because they got through the entire interview and you thought, Tony, thought maybe it's done. Maybe this is over. And then Armo just throws out, thanks, Uncle Chomp Chomp. <laughs> I'm now just going to, now it's, just it's, before, it's, before we get to the show, I'm just going to have my favorite chocolate bar, the Chomp. <laughs> it is bizarre that a week after, you know, uh, bullying was discussed widely in the AFL, 
<laughs> we've found this and it has brought no end of amusement. But as you say, Will, he's interacting in the bullying. He's part of it. Right, but also you're, you're attacking privilege and that's yeah. fine. There's no problem with like humour that punches up. And at the end of the day, that's still like a, a power relationship where he's the powerful person. So that's why it's a funny joke. Plus he <laughs> hates it. <laughs> well, I hadn't seen the chompers until you brought it up last week. So I was kind of quite keen to see. It is noticeable. Like it, it, it it's not a subtle, um, adjustment. I mean, it's kind of like Mike, Mike, when Mike Goldman got his done. You know what I mean? Like it's just sort of like, oh, something's happened to your face. And then it takes you a while to work it out. But then you realize it's the fucking teeth are different. I mean, you mock it, but they say the only things you can see from space are the Great Wall of China and Tony Jones's teeth. So <laughs> what have you done with your life? <laughs> now, should we talk about the results from last weekend before uh, one minute before the bounce of the second game of this round? Oh, yeah, but uh, just quickly on the footy yeah. show, like, and the footballers, because last week when we recorded, I don't think either of us, because I don't think, do you watch the footy show? Nah, fuck no. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't have watched it in 15 years, I wouldn't reckon. And, um, uh, but Sam, we, we talked about the Caroline Wilson, Eddie Maguire thing last week, and then Sam Newman went on the footy show and was Sam Newman. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, predictable, well, right? It just, right. Like, yeah. It just bores me. Like, it's one yeah. of those things where I was just like, we hadn't seen it last week, uh, but it had already happened when we talked. So I just thought it was yeah. worth mentioning that. But, but what, I mean, it's just so the, boring. It's just so... But that's the good thing that came out of it is yeah. that I think the reaction that Channel 9 or Sam or the producers were hoping to get, they didn't right. get. Like yeah. the entire like uh, collective football world just fucking like, shrugged oh. their shoulders. It was like, haven't we moved on from this? Like, oh, this is on, stupid. It's embarrassing, you know? Like, it's... I. I I mean, I can only assume that, you know, that was a calculated attempt to, you know, piggyback off the controversy. But everyone just looked at it and was like, this is, it's not even worth writing a fucking, you know, retort to this because it's so dumb and predictable and boring. Well, in Australia, and I don't know what it's like in the rest of the world, but in Australia, there's always been a room for somebody to, who's just provocative. You know, mm. we've always had room in our public discourse for a Mark Latham or an Andrew Bolt or a fucking, you know, just somebody who's Tony really Jones. Right. Somebody's just willing to say something fucking provocative. And I think with Sam Newman, like, I mean, Hughesy, who I respect and really like, you know, Dave Hughes, and he talks about Sam Newman as being one of the greatest entertainers in Australia ever. Like, he has this great, he really has this great regard for him as like an entertainer. And I've just never been able to fucking see it. I've always found mm. him just to be one of those people who's made up from his lack of talent by being like intentionally provocative or whatever. But I mean, who gives a fucking shit to be honest? But is like, it, I but I can't remember. Like I, there was a time where I did watch the footy show and I don't know if maybe I matured and he's always been like that or whether he has ramped it up in response to, you know, people responding to that side of him. Like he seemed, it's kind of like, you know, in the Simpsons, in the first three or four seasons, Homer was a fairly kind of arbitrary character. And then when the writers realized, oh, the more of an idiot we make Homer, you know, the better the episodes. I kind of felt that's what happened with Sam Newman is he was just meant to be, I guess, the color commentator, the Jesse right. Ventura of the panel. But then the more idiotic and outrageous he became, the more sort of people seemed to like it. So then he's just become this caricature. I agree. It's a, I mean, he's just, he's a relic. Like, you know, he's an old-fashioned relic, and I guess there is some still appeal for that old-fashioned view of the world, but I don't think but the, it reflects... But the irony, the... the irony of someone calling 
you know, uh, the irony of him calling Caroline Wilson a joke when he looks bizarre. Like, if you're talking comedy, like visual comedy, he looks like a clown. Like what he's done to his face, like voluntarily done to his face. You know that that is hilarious. It's I mean well, it's 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 borderline terrifying. But I had, it's a, I, had a, I had a line in my show when I was talking about the Adam Good thing, and normally I don't like to attack people's appearance. But Sam Newman said about the Adam Good thing, he said, uh, "I'm a white heterosexual man. Where's my round?" And so I said, "I said, I, I said, come on. The reason that uh, the reason that Sam Newman talks so much shit is his anus is where his mouth used to be." <laughs> It's not really his fault. Like, he is a dickhead, but it's just because his dick is the remaining part of his skull, and then they just pin his face down his back and wheel him out. And it was just so satisfying to say. (laughs) (laughs) But now I think it's got to the point where it's almost almost moot, you know, to say Sam's a dickhead, he's irrelevant, because it's just, who cares? Yeah, you know, I, 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 yeah, right, I agree. No, I, I agree with what you say. Is I hadn't really thought about it like that, but the, the great yawn of indifference that his predictable comments were treated with, even yeah. by the other panellists on the fucking show, actually mm. said something about maybe where hopefully we've moved on through this incident. So last Thursday, uh, the Crows uh, firmed up their, their premiership credentials with a win over a, an increasingly limping kangaroo side, right? Yeah, I mean, they do... I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, well, this is what everyone's like, I told you so. That's what the headline should be every weekend. I told you so. I hope it's not quite the case with North, like, because I think there's a lot to like about North Melbourne, but I think they're probably finding, I mean, Adelaide, that's the thing that people aren't really talking about. I don't think enough is Adelaide. Adelaide mm. could win, could win it. They like best winning, prim- they like statistically winning the best forward line going around. Yeah. And they look good, you know, mm. like when they, I mean, and Eddie Betts. I mean, that game last week, like, I, I didn't see the whole game, but I saw a lot of the highlights and stuff. And just, like, a game, how good is a game at the moment when you can watch down one end Lindsay Thomas, who was kicking a bunch of great goals, and then down the other end Eddie Betts, like, just doing what Eddie Betts mm. does. And you're like, yeah, this is a good reason to go to the footy. I'll watch this. Do you reckon the we, we are in an era of, I mean, we've got some great big forwards, but the small forward now is better than ever. Like, I remember, because, you know, St Kilda had Stephen Milne, who for a long time was considered, you know, one of the best sort of forward pockets. But the discussion was always around, is it a relevant position? Like, you know, what is a small forward? Is it just a resting midfielder? Um, you know, can, if they can't play anywhere else, you know, are they worth having in your team? But now a specialist small forward is almost kind of like invaluable. And look at the, some of the goals we're seeing this year from these fucking dudes who just, like seem to prefer going on an angle from the boundary line. Like it's insane. Well, you know how like footy positions, some of them have certain personalities that come with the position. Like yeah. your forward pocket was always, you just cheeky. fucking, yeah, you're cheeky. cheeky, but just fucking love kicking goals. Yeah, yeah. Love like skiving off the back of the pack. And like, you know, and the cheekiest thing you could ever do in footy was like, like essentially wait for the ball by yourself over the back of the pack. And now the way the game works is that's the most valuable skill in the game. So Joe the goose. So you have these like small forwards who've just spent their entire fucking time at training for 10 years, like kicking, like getting in the first row of the fucking like grandstand and try to kick a goal and shit like that. And suddenly that's just a really valuable skill. And I love it. 
I, yeah, I mean, awesome. I love no, nothing more than like that idea that not only when it goes down that a big forward could market or do something spectacular, but that if they don't, like that it will bounce off the pack and there will be people running by and like kicking spectacular goals. Yeah, I mean, there are so many teams that have like gun small forwards at the moment. It's amazing. Well, growing up, my idea of a forward pocket, generally, because that's the way my teams would structure it, is that you wouldn't have a specialist small forward. You'd just have rotating midfielders. And then right. Peter, Peter Dacos. Yeah, Peter Dacos kind of, he was the epitome of that. Was He was a former wingman slash midfielder who'd lost a yard. And so then they put him in the forward line and he used his kind of footy smarts and, and, and his skills to, to become an amazing kind of forward. But I think now you don't have to start as a midfielder. Like now you can come into a team like Toby Green as just a specialist, like small forward. Although Toby Green does move to midfield, doesn't he? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but like, but even that argument can be made. Like, because Dustin Martin might win the fucking Brownlow this year, and but there's been an argument being made about like, but where is Dustin Martin still more valuable to Richmond? Is he more valuable getting like twenty touches and kicking four goals, or is he more valuable getting thirty five touches and kicking one, one goal? goal? Like, yeah. you know, the, there is that sort of thing of going if you can have like a dominant small forward I mean for us like I think that's why we miss Dalhouse so much because I think for us he's a midfielder who really is kind of like a high half forward like he's a specialist small forward really and these days you're like yeah I mean if you can have those guys all over the ground who Mm. have that skill set and that skill level I mean anyway can I ask when did Luke Dalhouse lose the dreadlocks I mean I'm aware Um, it's been a while but couple couple of seasons ago and let's be honest you're happy about that you're happy about that. I remember going out to the Bulldogs and they presented me with a jumper, one of the many jumpers. You've seen my room, yeah. of, bull, my room of Bulldogs jumpers. Yeah. It's like your Fortress of Solitude or your Bat Cave, your trophy room. I think at some stage we could actually play a charity game and I could dress our entire team in jumpers that I've been given. We'd have to smash a few glass cases, but we could actually get it. A... <laughs> So, Robert Murphy's signature's on almost all of them. <laughs> he's the consistent. He's the, he's the constant. But, um, uh, yeah, one of them was given to me by Dell. I have a, a number five, uh, one signed somewhere. But, and that was post-dreadlock. So, that was a couple of years ago. Like. So, they gave you, like, the pressed jumper under the glass, and then next to that, a smaller frame with just the pressed dreadlocks as well? No, the, the pressed Luke Dell house-size jumper. <laughs> <laughs> He actually has to do, remember those shrinky dinks? You know, when you yeah. would get like, you yeah, know, yeah, like, like a chip, a chip packet. packet or whatever and you would shrink it in the oven. That, that's actually what they have to do with Luke Dalhouse's jumper. Him and Caleb Daniel. They, they, yeah. they do, every week they have to put them in the oven just, just before the game to get them right. Uh, at the MCG, uh, an absolutely tiny crowd uh, turned up to see uh, Frio go down to Collingwood. I've, I misjudged that game completely. Uh, uh, who I don't knows? Know if, I don't know if Collingwood's backs were to the wall, but um, Freo just didn't fucking turn up. And um, gee, Collingwood to play to twenty thousand or whatever they had—that's got to be, that's got to be unusual for them, right? Uh, I mean, it, I think it had been twenty years or something ridiculous like that since uh, it had been that low. But I mean, I, I would have was... thought Collingwood could get like at least thirty thousand to a fucking practice match, let alone you know a game at the G. It was cold but, though. I heard it was horrible. I I gotta be honest with you. Like we're Saints and fucking Bulldogs fans. we sometimes we can't get twenty thousand to twenty thousand to a game when we're top of the fucking ladder. <laughs> yes. Like 
they're playing Fremantle, who no one gives a shit about because all their best players aren't playing, on the coldest fucking day ever, and they're not going that well. Who knew they were going to play that well? No one knows with Collingwood. They're one of those teams this year, Collingwood, where you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. You're shit. And then they don't look shit for a bit. Yeah. I mean, they're only... Uh, they've won five wins for the year, so they're one game behind St Kilda who right. have a bit more kind of like positivity around them. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I was even listening to a podcast earlier in the week where they were talking about, you know, you get their midfield back together and they're actually they're quite strong. The question for them um, is what they do with that forward line because they don't... Right. I mean, they've got to work out what they're going to do with Travis Cloak. It's looking more and more likely like they'll trade him at the end of the year. But then... So who? Does, huh? Yeah, I think so um, the Tigers. <laughs> it's going to be the Tigers, right? That'll be their, that'll be their fucking off-season boom recruit. I mean, it's so... anyone. Rich, it's so Richmondy. Uh, yeah, it's and so it, Richmondy. And he'll kick 120. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, what, how old Who? is he? 20, uh, can, uh, Mike Howell, can you tell us how old Travis so, Cloak is, please? I'm going to say 29. Yeah, I'm going to say that too. Um, uh, but I reckon you could... I mean, who would do well with him? Like, in this... If no maybe one. like Well, GWS don't need him. Maybe Gold Coast? They don't... Well, they don't really need him either. They're really? Okay tall forwards. He's not a... I think... I think in the, I don't know. I can't think of the top of my head. Maybe a Hawthorne? The only team where he could be useful these days is in like that sort of team, like a Hawthorne. But why do yeah. Hawthorne want Cloak? He's 29. He, he's 29. He hasn't played yeah. a good game in fucking three years or two mm. years or whatever it is. Like, I don't, I just, I can't see why any team, unless Collingwood were willing to pay like most of his, like, you know, wage, why any mm. team would want him. I just don't see any team in the league that he benefits. What if he gets on a run of form, which I think, Collingwood want. I mean, Collingwood are going to play him to the end of the year to fatten the pig, as they say, so they get better trade value for him. So just say, like, he, you know, kicks a couple of goals each game for the rest of the year, does okay, applies himself. You don't think that there'll be a few clubs interested? I mean, key forwards are hard to get ready-made key forwards. Or do you this think is he's a, beyond that past this that is period? A, this is a guy who can't get a game in that team in front of a guy who hadn't heard of the game eight weeks ago. <laughs> And Jesse, Jesse White, who I retired prematurely about two weeks into this podcast. <laughs> like, this is literally where he is. I was is. thinking about that the other day. I said, what's Jesse White? And he said, I think he runs a charity. It's like, no, he still plays football, apparently. Right. So Cloakie can't get in in front of a guy who literally thought Australian rules football was rugby until like January. <laughs> or fucking <laughs> Jesse White, who apparently still plays football. So, mate. I just can't, and this isn't like I'm, I mean, I have nothing against fucking Cloakey. Like I hope that he does get on a run of form, but mate, I could get on a run of form. Like Cloakey and I basically had as long out of form as each other. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know if he's coming back. What gives you any indication he's going to get good again? Well, yeah, I mean, he had kicked a couple of goals on the weekend, and he was involved. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't the worst player by a long way. I just think that. All right, well, better buy some of that, eh? Well, I just reckon if you are, if they're, okay, how about this? If next year they bring in this mid-season trade rule uh-huh. where you can, where you can top up, I could imagine if you, uh, you know, you lost a, if you're Melbourne and you lost a Jesse Hogan or something that you might look at a Travis Cloak. If, okay. A scenario All right. like that. So, so what you're saying is as long as we fundamentally change the rules of drafting in the game, <laughs> Travis Cloak might be useful. <laughs> <laughs> 
Trav, we've got some bad news and some good news. The bad news is no one wants you. The good news is if they decide to have a mid-season draft, <laughs> we really feel like... Richmond defeated the Lions. Uh, they blew my bloody lock out of the water, or whatever the opposite of a lock is, yeah. um, uh, by you know having a fairly expected win over the Brisbane Lions. Now, Richmond have won six of the past seven. Yeah. Now... I don't know what the mathematical possibility is, but they just won't go away. Like they, 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 they have they dropped a game they should have won to kind of keep that bandwagon rolling. But they're not out of it. And like you said, they've got one of the best midfielders going around. Jack Revolt's playing good footy. I don't know. Like that, that little, that little feeling that something bizarre could happen in the back half of the year it won't go away. I'm so glad that your mum wasn't on a uh, like uh, one of those like life machines where you had to decide whether to turn it off or not because you never would turn it off (laughs) you would have been like there's still a chance i'm pretty sure she winked she did it (laughs) (laughs) no i just i just you know i i kind of feel like we all got excited about a month ago when the richmondy the richmondy bandwagon started rolling and they won a few on a trot they beat sydney and then they dropped was it port adelaide they they dropped a game to but i don't know i mean if people are getting if people are getting excited about Melbourne and St Kilda, then Richmond have to be in the equation as well. I mean, we're all on the same amount of wins, uh, similar draws coming up. I'm just saying, Will. I'm just saying, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, still math- mathematically possible. That's correct. That should be that's that's what it should say in Latin under the Richmond logo. <laughs> it should, should say possible. mathematically possible in Latin. Now. There's some news coming out this week about uh, Tommy Rockcliffe, captain of the Brisbane Lions, who's been holding off contract negotiations. Right, to see if they're a a club still next year? Yeah. They're saying that he wants 800,000 a year. Rockcliffe? Yeah. Now, that's what I was going to say. Like, granted, it's a Queensland team. I don't know a lot about their players. But I don't know that much about Tommy Rockcliffe. He's got good numbers. I mean, he's 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 a good player. Well, here's the thing, though. There's a bit of a knock on him. They say he, he doesn't infl- hurt. He doesn't hurt you. Yeah, he's got inflated numbers. He gets high possessions, but he doesn't cover much ground. Like doesn't get you. What do they call it? Um, ground uh, meters gained. Not many meters gained, and not very effective <laughs> with those possessions. Right, uh, but there's a there's a counter argument to that. Is like who the fuck has he got to kick it to? Like yeah. if every if every time you get the ball, you look up and there's no one to kick it to, then chances are that you go like across or that you go backwards or maybe that like if you kick it to some idiot, mm. they don't mark it, so you don't get an effective disposal. Do you think he's trying to price himself out of the market? No, I think that he probably knows that everybody else is leaving, and what are they going to do? Yeah, they got to well, pay the, him, right? The scuttlebutt is that uh, St Kilda are interested in him, but I mean. That's the, people are just saying that because St Kilda came out last year and went after Rory Sloan and everyone knows we're going to be cashed up this year. We've got a bit of money from players going onto the veterans list and stuff and we may have some retirement at the end of the year. So we're going after a free agent. I mean, I don't know about Tommy Rockcliffe. I don't know if... if what I think St Kilda needs is uh, like a, a couple of good outside mids, kind of line-breaking mids. Um, is he that kind of player, do you know? I think he's probably an outside player. Like, you know, he's probably a guy who... Yeah, I mean, I mean, he might be best available. Like, yeah. I mean, but here's the other thing. Here's what I would ask. Do you take him or do you take some GWS kid who's in the seconds who, like, is 22 who could be the next, 
you know, is, what's a better investment for like, St Kilda? Do you go and try to find some outside well, think, mid, mid who's not getting get a game for GWS? You know, but I, I would say if you had a guy who's not getting a game for GWS, is you don't need to bring out the war chest. He's not going to cost that much anyway. You probably get him for draft picks or something like that. So I think, yeah, I mean, unless we, I mean, I would love to get Dylan Shield. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan Shield, or you know, Jaeger Jaeger O'Meara comes out of contract at the end of this year. He would be a great get. I mean, I don't know if his what his intentions are, but a player like that, yeah. Um, but I, I think you could have room for both. I think you can definitely go for a dude who's not getting a game in one of the expansion clubs, but then you also go after a big name free agent. We'll, we'll have the money at the end of the year to do that. Would Brisbane be better off losing Rockcliffe that sort of money because, like. Like, he's not going to be captain of the next premiership team, right? But no. if you could get a couple of first-round picks to add some other first-round picks that you get and then, like, really top up with a bunch of new young players and give you some sort of hope, mm. then maybe maybe you're better off losing a Rockcliffe and trying to get, like, you know, a couple of high draft picks. They, there was, in the same article I was reading, they said uh, the, the, the only other two captains to leave in the last... Re- recently, uh, Ryan Griffin and uh, Chris Judd. Should they get um, the Queensland State of Origin team to play for Brisbane? Because they never lose. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they might have a better chance. Did you see any of this game at all? No, I, did, I didn't, and I have no interest in seeing any of it, to be honest. There was an uh, incident um, in which Pierce Hanley gave away a 50-metre penalty, and he spent the entire time arguing with the umpire to the point that when the player he'd infringed on was lining up for goal, he didn't even have his arms up. He was literally looking sideways at the umpire, still arguing his point. And I thought, oh, fuck, gee, that's terrible. That's a bad look. Then you find out he's the vice captain of the team. I mean, maybe it just sounds like he was arguing. I mean, he's Irish, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, sometimes they just sound a little rowdier than they actually are. It's just the accent. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things where you're like, okay, so your captain wants out, your vice captain... Shows no on-field leadership. Fuck. I mean, it's a fucking mess up there at the moment. There's no doubt about that. But, you know... We talk about it every week. I just... I mean... I feel sorry for Leper. Like, I just... I, I don't think it's his fault. I'm not convinced it is his fault. I mean, I know a lot of people have come out and said, well, you know, like, he's had that list for a while and they're not bad. Like, on paper, if you look at the names and you look at their credentials, they're not that bad. But... I think it's. I think it's. It's too. It's. It's not just one thing. It's not just the coach. Um, you know. I think if they do get rid of Leper, which you know might be likely at the end of the year, then they should also do a clean out. It's just fucking do a do a do a uh, a soft reboot. You feel sorry for Leper, mate. There are actual lepers that feel sorry <laughs> for Leper. Like, it, what a fucking shit show that place is. Like, I Lee Matthews has gu- guaranteed him his job. I think, you know, here's what I think is going to happen. I think Lee Matthews is going to quit the board and I think that Leper's going to lose his job and that'll both happen and then they won't have Lee Matthews or Leper and they will have burnt fucking Michael Voss and then they've burnt fucking Leper and they burnt Lee to get Vossie in there in the first place and then brought him back and burn him again. Yeah. Mate, that club Bring is in back a lot David of Bain. trouble. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're all thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. Mark Zanotti. Yeah, he'll right. Johnny Gastev will bring that club back together. I mean, finally, someone's speaking sense. <laughs> we're all saying we're all saying call them the Bears again, right? Is that yeah, what we're exactly. all thinking? Yeah, definitely. Get Warwick Kappa back there. Uh, 
GWS up at Spotless Stadium. We talked about this earlier. Uh, Spank Carlton. Uh, it was the Stevie J sh- show, but also uh, Dylan Shield. Unbelievable. He is such a fucking good player and so good in traffic. But he also kind of looks like Tom Cruise in all the right moves. Right. <laughs> he's sort of got that sort of eighties, uh, eighties heartthrob kind of look going on as well. Like he looks and plays like, you know, the, a high school jock. Um, but they're just fucking awesome. Like I, I, I fear them, but I admire them. You know, I think that they're just, there's just so much to like about the way they play. And like I said, it, it doesn't seem to be, a dickhead policy either. Like, it's not like they're, they're cocky, but in the best possible kind of way. I guess it's kind of like, because they can back it up rather than like a deluded sort of arrogance. Yeah, there's definitely a football cockiness about them. And this was like, I love this game because it was basically watching GWS playing last year's GWS seconds. Yeah, totally. So, but yeah, I mean, they're a, I mean, we, yeah, we, we spoke about it a lot earlier, but they are just a extraordinary group of young footballers like there are so just so many so many of them that are like just uh, yeah great to watch yeah uh then now the next game we uh we haven't got much time because i've got to leave in about 15 but what a win you can take you can take take 14 minutes and 30 seconds if you want Uh, all right uh, the Saints defeated the Cats in probably was one of the games of the year. Uh, Saints jumped out of the blocks, got about 30 points up. Cats reeled him in. Cats went ahead with about six minutes to go, and then the Saints came back. And uh, Jade Gresham, our uh, first-round draft pick from last year, kicked one of the goals of the year, an amazing fucking sidestep, bent it around the corner, and then Jack Stephen capped it off with a goal off the ground to win. But it was just... I hate to use the word season-defining, Will, but in the same way you got a sense last year when the Bulldogs beat the Swans up at the SCG, I got a sense of, oh, okay, there is something going on here. Like, you've sort of been calling it about the Saints a lot earlier than even I think I've been seeing. There's been patches where St Kilda have uh, you know, played really well or quarters. But what you saw in that game was their players realizing that you've got to bring that intensity to every contest for four quarters. It was manic. Like, it was insane. They gave... Patrick Dangerfield still had 29 touches, but none of them were easy, and none of them were... uh, He didn't have his normal kind of breakaway speed because they just swamped him, and they just didn't give him options. They played Seb Ross head-to-head. Seb Ross, who uh, is really having a pretty amazing year. I think he's averaging close to 30 touches in his fifth year. He's a guy who... Couldn't get a look in for his first couple of years. Did a hamstring last year. He's Joe Watson's cousin, but he's having a blinder. And he went head-to-head with Patrick Dangerfield and beat him, which is just... It wasn't just him. It was, you know, the sort of team pressure that sort of won that. But it was exciting. Like, I actually, for the first time, started to see where the club is going, like the kind of football they want to play. And also, uh, it was all off the back of our younger players. Like, Revolt did his normal Revolt thing and floated up and down the ground. But... Effectively, it was um, Seb Ross, it was Luke Dunstan, it was Jack Nunes, it was Jack Stephen. All these players sort of saying, actually finally putting their hand up and saying, okay, well, you know, we we got headed and, you know, we, we let a 30-point lead sort of flitter away, but we're not going to drop our heads. We're just going to hit the next contest really hard. It was fucking, is exciting. I was, I've watched it twice. <laughs> as oh, no. as the... Well, because th- I think all season they've had that great ability to like you know you've seen them for a quarter or a couple of quarters or whatever like uh 
be able to apply that pressure to the best teams. I think the only thing they haven't really been able to do is do it for four quarters. Like, they'll have a quarter mm. or a quarter and a half where... Like, that was why I always liked them a bit more than people seem to like them, was because I'd watched whole games of theirs. I reckon if you watched, saw their scores or just saw the highlights, there was a few games where you're like, oh, they got flogged. But if you mm. actually watched the game... They they were really in it for three quarters, but just like had one quarter or whatever where they, they weren't. And you're kind of like, well, if you could just get this together for, but okay, but answer me this. Yes. What about the, what about the opposite thing, which is this theory that Geelong <laughs> just can't, can't beat sides that they're meant to beat. Like, what are they, they're, they're, they're flat, they're the flat track floppers. Yeah, they're the opposite. The, the, the yeah. other two, who else have they lost to? Carlton and Collingwood. Carlton and Collingwood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that definitely has to be part of the equation because, uh, well, first of all, you know, like Chris Scott came out and, and he rev- he said that their prep was, he didn't notice anything in the prep. Like he said, the players are ready. You know, they, they, ca- they came on. to play, Charlie. They came to play. But at, it's it, the, the fact that they were able to switch it on in the second half and click and reel in that, you know, 30-point deficit made you think that, you know, they had gone in either not ready for the pressure that was going to be applied or thinking that it would just happen. I mean, fuck, man. If you had Patrick Dangerfield playing for your team, you could be forgiven for thinking we're just going to win, can't you? Yeah. I mean, you just look at him and you'd be lulled into that sense of security. And, and, And look, it was a good win, but we were fighting for our lives in that last five minutes. Like Geelong had repeat entries and they couldn't get Dangerfield and Motlop on for about three minutes. So... It could have been a really different story. It could have been heartbreaking for us. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't uh, a win that said, oh, you know, we can, it wasn't a convincing win in the sense that, you know, we dominated them. It was just that psychological thing of we'd been in the situation against Hawthorne, we'd been in the situation against North, and we'd lost it. And, you know, that if it had happened again, it could have been disastrous, I reckon, for the mindset for the rest of the year. Yeah. But now the players come out of a, a win like that thinking, no, no, you just, don't keep. Don't worry about the scoreboard. Just the next contest. Just the next contest. And if you watch that last five minutes, that's what you see. Is it's just desperation, throwing themselves at the ball. You know, um, playing percentages. They're not trying to be cute with it. They're just getting to the contest. There's a couple of dumb things. You know, we didn't get numbers back behind the ball. Like they were open all on the inside. It was just a really lucky spoil by Sam Gilbert in the last 15 seconds that stopped a Jimmy Bartel mark. But um, yeah, I think Geelong. I think that they, they just, they must, they they must go into games thinking this is not one where we have to try as hard. Well, you know what the thing is. Like I heard a guy say during the week. I wish I could remember which commentator it was because it was such a brilliant comment. But he basically said he goes, uh, Geelong will make the finals, but I worry for them in the finals because you know they have this inability to beat teams who are outside the eight. And all I could think was. Yeah, that probably will not be problematic come finals time in that they will not have to play any team who are outside the eight. So, yeah. Well, Chris Scott said the same thing in his press conference. It was like, you know, are you worried? He's going, well, I'd much be, I'd be much more worried if we're losing teams that we're potentially going to play in the finals, you know, but we've beaten every team we've played who's going to be in the finals. Yeah, and I, I think that's like when I look at the Bulldogs and try to get a true indication of where we're at. We've beaten all the teams we should beat this year. But we've lost to all the teams that are better than us, yeah, you know. Right. Like, and it does still feel like you know we haven't been able to really beat. Yeah, we've gone close a couple of times, but really the teams that are better than us have beaten us. Yeah, um, 
I think that for the, the the club and for the supporters, a win like that is a it firms up Alan Richardson's job a bit because after the Adelaide and the West Coast losses, there was a bit of like, mm, are they going backwards? Are they just um, are they treading water? But no matter what happens, you know, for the rest of the year, we'll you know win some games or lose some games, but you can point to that that victory as a game where it came together. So now the, the question becomes, how do you bring that application each week? Big, big test on Saturday, because even though we're playing the Suns, Ablett's back in form. And it is, isn't it? We're, we're playing away from home and we, we're pretty bad away from home. So there's a lot of, been a lot of kind of, um, there's going to be a lot of talk about the Saints this week and they've been buzzing. If they drop it against the Suns, then it's almost kind of all for nothing. You sort of got to go back and re-examine. Right. So it's actually almost more pressure. It's the difficult second album, Will. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know what happened? I actually what? burped as oh. I was like about to say, and then I was like, oh, well, maybe you'll just move on. And then you like paused for knowledge. And I was like... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Disgusting. The last game of last round was uh, Hawthorne over the Suns, who we were just talking about. Yeah. It uh, was a lot closer. We were predicting fucking carnage. Um, the Suns are getting players back. I think that's the difference, yeah. right? Yeah, they got a lot of their players back and Ablett's back in great form. And as history has shown us, if Ablett's playing well, the Gold Coast start to win football matches and he doesn't yeah. ever really get any credit for it. But like... There's this it's weird, only, co- it's weird, this is weird coincidence that when Gary Ablett plays really well, that Gold Coast tend to win games of football. It's, uh, he, he's taken the long road back with his shoulder. Obviously, no anti inflammatories, no painkillers, or whatever the fuck, you know, his wizarding does or, or <laughs> around his shoulder. He's wizarding. I believe that's what he's into, right? <laughs> Harry but Potter. G- yeah. <laughs> but Jesus, like, you forget. I forgot. I mean, I, I put my hand up. I'd forgotten what a gun he is. It's just. He's amazing to watch when he's on song, inside, outside, and he can fucking kick him from everywhere. The thing is, like he he doesn't he doesn't look like an athlete on the field, especially because he's kind of nuggety and stuff, and he's got that sort of hunched, you know, running action a bit like his dad. But fuck, he's a champion. Like it's just so great. We we are living in a a blessed era of AFL at the moment, not just with how even the competition is, but so many superstars. Like you can watch pretty much every game, bar Essendon. <laughs> And there's at least one or two players that you can look at, or Brisbane, and go, wow, like, you know, th- that, that was worth watching. Just that guy was worth watching. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a new age of superstars. I really yeah. do think it is back to that thing where you're like, when you talk about those guys who are like, I would go to the football to watch that person. There are so many of them. And like you said, they're probably the only two teams in the entire league that don't have someone at the moment where you're like, I will go to the footballer just to watch that person play football. Yeah. All right, let's quickly look at the games uh, that are happening. We uh, we know that West Coast beat Essendon last night. West Coast, fucking, it's weird. Like, it's, it's ho-hum now with them, isn't it? Like, it doesn't really matter what they do now for the rest of the year. No one thinks that they can win it. And so, what are they playing for? Well, if you make the eight, you can win it. But they won't. <laughs> but, but they won't win it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> So having a bye this week is uh, the Kangaroos, the Giants, the Lions, the Dockers, just, the Cats. Just and the by Hawks. the way, like I love that logic of like. So what are you playing for? Imagine if they just went and went. Hey, so guys, do you reckon we'll make the eight? Yeah, yeah, I reckon we'll make the eight. Um, do you reckon we'll win it once we make the eight? 
Oh, no. <laughs> Probably not, I suppose, no right? Way. I mean, it's it's unlikely. We'd have to... I mean, a lot of things would have to go wrong for other people and right for us, I guess. But yeah, what do we play for? To, they would have to have those... Maybe not at the club have those conversations, but I'm sure the players, when they're, you know, when they're fucking just hanging out on a weekend, they would talk honestly about their chances. If you make the talk- finals, anything can happen. you just got to make the finals. Yeah, Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to the next game, Port Adelaide versus Richmond at Adelaide Oval. Jeez, um, I don't know. Um, um, oh, Port man. should win, which means it'll be Richmond. That's my luck of the week. <laughs> I mean, Port, does this bring back, is this the first time that Richmond would have played Port Adelaide at uh, the Adelaide, Adelaide Oval, Oval since that famous final when, like, uh, Cochin kicked it the wrong way and Port kicked six or seven goals in the first quarter and the final was over. And No, I guess so. It probably would be. I mean, this yeah. is probably right. It have to be. Yeah, have to be. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's like the, uh, the, the match to avenge that day. Yeah. I, I, I would say Port. Port at home okay. beat Richmond, I okay. would say. Up at Metricon, the Suns take on the Saints. Um, I would expect the Saints to win that. Like if... If we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're making any progress, then we have to win that. But I don't think it's going to be easy. I think. Well, look, Seb Ross went head to head with Patrick Dangerfield and came out on top. Does he go to Gary Ablett this week? You reckon? I mean, it'd be a great scalp two weeks in a row. Well, he doesn't have any hair, so <laughs> it wouldn't be that great a scalp. I um, this is a hard game to pick because I reckon Gold Coast are back in a bit of form now, and there is. Mm. And, you know, it's at home. Funny to say about a team that haven't won in a month. They're back in a bit of form. <laughs> well, I mean, technically they've won. Did they win? No, they didn't even. <laughs> no, no. They haven't won in a month. But That's everyone's right. saying the same thing. You know what it yeah. is? They're just not losing as badly. <laughs> they're failing better. And now we're like, oh, they've got a bit of form. Gold Coast, failing better. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly was like, well, they had a win loss. Oh, no, they didn't, did they? No, they didn't. They lost by like 20-odd right. points. Saints, I'm on the Saints end. The Saints should win that one, you're right. Saturday twilight match at the SCG, Swans take on the Bulldogs. It's going to be a cracker, I can't wait. I've got to admit, me and Vaughan have been texting each other all week, very excited about this game. Predictions, back and forth, Stringer v Buddy. Who's going to bust it open? Two enigmatic players, hard contested midfield teams. It's going to be, it's going to be a belter. I'm going to pick the Bulldogs. Really? Yeah, yeah. Not for any, uh, any other reason, but just kind of heart. Just because of the emotion, watching those promos again and again on Fox Footy and hearing Bob Murphy say it's his favourite memory of everything in the history of the world, <laughs> like it's won me over. I just think the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs have been a bit, even though they're sort of hanging in there, they haven't had that statement game in quite a while. They're kind of due for another kind of big scalp, and I think that I don't know. I just get a feeling that the Swans, are, the, the Swans are good, but they, you know, they they're, they're vulnerable as well. You know, I just it's going to be a cracking game. I just I can't wait. I hope it will be. They're actually um, the two best defensive teams in the entire league. So it might actually be a low-scoring game. The Bulldogs have been having a trouble, bit of trouble scoring of late. And um, I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe I'm just having that thing of being a bit nervous about my own team. But I, mm. I really do think, um, yeah, with the injuries we've had, the one that's hurt us almost more than anything is that Dalhouse injury. He's just that mm. extra link that kind of hurts us a bit. Oh, look, I mean, if we beat the Swans, I'd be really happy about it. And I think we can, but I'm, I'm nervous about this game, I've got to say. 
Carlton take on Collingwood. Traditional rivals. Um, they should get a good crowd to this one, shouldn't they? I mean, they should after last week. Fucking And Carlton, like, you know, yeah, go along. I mean, make it a big... It should be a fun day. I mean, this is the kind of game where you'd be happy if they both lost. Ah, <laughs> oh, I mean, I'd be happy if the stadium collapsed and killed everybody. But oh. I... Uh... <laughs> Bloody hell. You thought Eddie got into trouble. <laughs> Mate, Will Anderson calls him mass genocide. I didn't call for it. I just said if it happened, I'd be, be happy. great. <laughs> You're right. The that's so much better. That's the difference between those two things. All right. Well, I've said Richmond was my my lock of the week. What's your yeah. lock of the week? Uh, look, uh, I reckon. Uh, oh, this is a tough game to pick, uh, Carlton Collingwood. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to say Carlton will win. Uh, against Collingwood. That's my lock of the week. <laughs> oh, that's my cloak of the week. Yeah. And then the, uh, I'm gonna, I reckon, um, I reckon Collingwood will win that game. Uh, last game is Melbourne versus Adelaide, which is, uh, at the MCG. It's also one year since Phil Walsh passed away. From oh. my understanding, um, they're not, they're not going to do any official, um, kind of memorial or anything at the game. The, uh, Phil's wife uh, and uh, and the club will be doing something kind of uh, private. Okay, um, that's nice. But but there is a bit of a um, there will be a bit of emotion you'd think around this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember last year I was overseas as I am now. But um, when I found out the news, and it was early in the morning in Australia when it happened. So with the LA time difference, I had been awake for a few hours. So you know, like it's. You know, nine o'clock in my morning when you start to see the reports coming through in the, you know, very early in the morning in Australia. And, uh, it was such a tragic thing for the game. And I had such admiration for the way that Adelaide have handled it and, and, you know, what they've done as a city and as a club. And I think it's, I mean, it's probably right, you know, now to just honor it in a small way and not make too big a thing about it. Right. I yeah. think that's yeah. probably appropriate. I think so. Yeah. yeah, and of course, I mean, if that's what his family want to do, then you know, you, yeah. you're one of the you're one of the family's wishes. Um, going back to the football, I reckon this is going to be actually a really fun, interesting contest. It's going to be at the MCG, the two quick teams, uh, two pretty well, one amazing forward line and one up and coming forward line. Um, I get the feeling Adelaide are just too strong. You know, they've got a lot of momentum now. They're eyeing top four. But um, I reckon the D's, I reckon the D's will give it a shake. Yeah, it's one of those games where if Mel, if the right Melbourne turned up, mm. they could definitely beat Adelaide on their day. But yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I just, I think Adelaide are just too consistent and too strong. And like, they're good on the MCG Adelaide. Like, you know, they're one of those teams that actually play that ground really well. Eddie Betts, like, loves, like, you know, big, big pockets for him to get over the back of that ground. So big I pockets, big, bigger the pockets that are in his gigantic shorts already. <laughs> Right, yeah, it, yeah. It, like absolutely. He, he actually he shorts look in perspective at the MCG because <laughs> yeah. the pockets are actually like equally big. But yeah, he's going to fill those pockets up with uh, several goals. I would suggest. I reckon five or six for Eddie. Yeah, so that'll bring a, a, an end to the buy round, which is um, uh, the has so upset the Australian media landscape, and we'll be back to normal programming next week. But um, exciting, exciting round of football. Uh, have you got anything to add before we go? 
Uh, I, I would just say to people, if you'd like to support the podcast or any of our podcasts, Tofop, Fofop, Willosophy, That's Awesome, uh, this podcast, then we have a, a Patreon page, uh, which is uh, patreon.com slash Tofop, T-O-F-O-P, and you can just contribute uh, like an amount of money if you would like to just help us out with the cost of like you know, putting this thing on and uh, you know employing Mike Hell to uh, edit it all together for us and stuff like that. So uh, if you like the podcast and you would like it to come out regularly, then um, uh, one of the ways you could support it and help out with that is to go to our Patreon page and look at that. Okay, and with that, I say play on, not 15. More! <laughs>